Thanks for joining us for this special program, How the Left is Stealing Your Church, The Invasion of the Gospel of Woke. I'm Frank Wright. In recent years, our culture has been overtaken by wokeness, a virulent form of leftism that puts racial, gender, sexual, and economic issues at the center of all of life. And cancels those who fail to toe the new politically correct line. But disturbingly, this dangerous ideology, born in secular Marxism, is now being smuggled into Bible-believing churches. On this program, you will see how this happens, and even how, in some cases, it's being funded by well-heeled, far-left activists. Much of this new wokeness arrives under the banner of so-called social justice. Now, what could be wrong with social justice? Well, it all depends on how it's defined and how it compares with true biblical justice. I'm very concerned about what I see taking place in churches across America. The evangelical church is so infiltrated by the political left, I would say the social justice warriors, and they use guilt. It's this idea that America is an inherently unjust country, that is a racist country, that we have to embrace a kind of neo-segregationism. Much of this was apparent during the summer of 2020 in the riots for George Floyd. Many evangelicals supported the Marxist group known as Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter that marched in Minneapolis, Minnesota in response to George Floyd being killed. They're supposed to be engaged in peaceful protests. Well, they quickly migrated from justice for blacks to include burning the Bibles in Portland, Oregon, denigrating the Christian cross, saying it's a symbol of white supremacy. You gotta understand, this has nothing to do with race. It has everything to do with using race to try to destroy civic institutions in America. It has nothing to do with race. They're using race, and they've hijacked the civil rights movement in their quest to undermine this country's founding values. Even Campus Crusade for Christ now known as crew, has conformed to wokeness. We lament that we stood by as systemic and institutionalized racism became founding pillars and structures in America. This country was built by white people for white people. Well, no, by slaves for white people. Many of our Christian universities have fallen prey to these ideologies over the last couple of generations. The culture as a whole has been discipled and mentored in these, in these ideologies. Social justice is essentially a Marxist concept because it holds that what we need to do to make our society a just and equal and fair society is to redistribute 
the wealth. We need to share the wealth in order to make ours a just society. So it, is, it really doesn't have to do with justice, it has to do with Marxism. Biblical justice, as opposed to social justice, takes every single human being seriously. That's why it opposes abortion, for instance. Um, every single human is made in the image and likeness of God, and therefore each one is distinct and glorious and meant for immortal life. Over 100 million people have died because of socialism, and so the human cost is enormous. In the first place, I've said this through the years, justice doesn't need an adjective. Justice is justice. Um, social justice is another term for socialism. So I'm reading stories to my children at night and we're looking through a children's Bible. I'm telling them, you know, Jesus wasn't this color, Jesus was darker, and as someone who is darker, you're gonna have troubles in life, like Jesus had troubles in life. I was incorporating this critical race theory and this social justice mindset even into my family worship with my children. So can we trust the Bible? Yeah. Yes. My mother is Puerto Rican. My stepfather, who I met when I was three, is black. And I was just raised with the black culture. Being that I went to an all-black school, raised in a black context, raised by hip-hop culture, everything was oppression. And the problem wasn't me, the problem was the police, the problem was white culture. In fact, a friend of mine, he and I would go into stores and steal things because we felt like the government owed us. As I got older, when I got saved, I got saved at Black Church. And again, I was still surrounded in that culture. And it was great. I loved it. So I was a pastor in Florida for about three years. We started a church plant. Prior to that, I finished my studies at college, studying to be a pastor. My wife and I eventually moved back to New York. We wanted to move closer to family. During that transition, I really struggled with my identity. We were struggling financially from making the transition from Florida to New York. And now that I'm not pastoring and I'm struggling with what is it that I'm supposed to be doing, I have a family, I have children, and I don't have a job. We moved in with my mother-in-law, living in the loft uh, upstairs at her house and sleeping on the floor. He just was very just disconnected and, and not himself. Even the emotions of just more quick to anger and bitterness or resentment and despairing also. 
I was just it was at the darkest point in my life. And then I was introduced to some James Cone. I was introduced to Robin DiAngelo. I thought that this white woman's voice who understood and could see real oppression that was taking place in the lives of black and brown people would be beneficial for my wife. Dozens of American cities up in flames after some And it brought back this awareness of the oppression that I grew up with in my mind that I saw in the news. When he started to drift into the woke movement, he was very detached from the family in the sense that there was always, you know, a post that he needed to respond to, the next thing that he needed to tweet, and, you know, just on his phone a lot. And obviously there was a, a rift created between us as well in our relationship. I have grown up with this invisible kind of bag of privilege. Racism never goes away. It just adapts. I, I, I tell people my very best Black friends have trouble trusting me for really good reasons. Because people like me um, have been doing awful things to them and to their families for four centuries. What made the woke movement so attractive was it wasn't just the world having these talking points. It was actually people that I trusted, theologians and authors. You see everything from the framework of oppression and racism, and that was the mindset that I embraced. I was critical of America. I was critical of police. I was critical of white people, and it infected every area of my life. It was the life I now embraced as someone who identified as being woke or a social justice warrior. Marxism has always flourished by stoking resentment and envy. And those emotions can be very persuasive, as Edwin Ramirez discovered. But as you will see later in this program, his eyes were opened by the truth of the Bible. But sadly, even in places where the Bible has been historically defended, Radical leftist notions like critical race theory are seeping in. It's kind of open season right now in terms of uh, wolves testing the fences of the city of God and entering it, frankly. And there just are not that many watchmen on the wall who are even attempting to spot those wolves and spot those problematic ideologies that try to take us captive. There are major organizations, major evangelical organizations and ministries that have either refused to speak out against this um, or have begun to espouse some of these ideologies or have just outright fallen prey. I hear from people all the time um, who are either contemplating leaving or have left because they're pushing CRT and intersectionality. Intersectionality is a fashionable ideology in which each person plots themselves along the graph of overlapping victimhoods according to sex, gender identity, race, and a host of other criteria. It flows from critical theory, as does critical race theory. When you see that word critical, it is a reminder that you're dealing with this neo-Marxist ideology 
that views the world through the lens of oppressors and the oppressed. And that critical refers to what you do when you identify the sources of the oppression and try to apply these theories in order to bring about a revolutionary political change. Today, Marx's concept of oppressor and oppressed is being applied racially. And white people are seen as the oppressors of those who are people of color. And so what is argued is that white supremacy, that's the phrase that is typically used, needs to be overcome and dismantled uh, comprehensively in society. Proponents of critical race theory have constructed their argument like a kind of mousetrap. All white people are racist, they argue, whether they know it or not. And if they deny it, they prove the charge and demonstrate what CRT calls white fragility. The very heartbeat uh, of racism is denial. And the sound of that heartbeat that the individual makes is, I'm not racist. You're welcoming wokeness into the camp and that will have no good effects. That will only have effects on the sheep and they will be taken captive. Whether we're talking about racial justice or gender justice or what have you, tragically, when it comes to many issues of justice, there's often been a malaise in the church, not using the kindest word possible, in large part because the injustice did not directly affect those of us sitting in places of privilege. Concerned critics note that this use of terms like gender justice and an apology for so-called white privilege seems to be boilerplate woke language coming from the recent president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And I know as a white pastor, I have blind spots, so I am part of the problem. As a worldview, critical race theory is an offshoot of critical theory, is at odds with the biblical message of Jesus Christ's finished work on the cross. A Marxist worldview forms the basis for so-called critical race theory and a host of other far-left views. Our cultural institutions already advocate and enforce this ideology with increasing fervor. But it's also being smuggled into the church by wealthy individuals and foundations whose strategy is to undermine and co-opt the biblical Christian worldview. You'd be surprised and aghast to see how the, quote, gospel of woke is invading the evangelical church and the money that's coming with it. Most people are unaware of George Soros' agenda and how he is using his funding to influence the church for his purposes. George Soros is an unlike a candidate because he's no friend of religion in general. He's no friend of the Christian church. He's an atheist, and he regards the religious right as an enemy. George Soros stands for the legalization of prostitution. He is a big supporter, a big booster of abortion. He stands for the legalization of drugs, street drugs. He also is a big fan of defunding the police, and he has funded, heavily funded, uh, races around the country to elect prosecutors who are, in effect, social justice warriors. Not only that, but George Soros also wants to see organizations like Black Lives Matter flourish. He's given heavily to that cause. Watch where the money's coming from. Just follow the money, as they say. And you'll see, it is not about 
all black, all black lives matter. As a matter of fact, it's only just a very select lives that really matter to that organization. We cannot give in to um, the cancel culture, the woke culture, um, the social justice culture, you know, the anti-racist culture, the CRT culture. No, it's God. The key tenet of Marxism is the battle between the oppressed and their oppressors. As a result, even today's followers of Karl Marx need to draw battle lines, grouping people by race, sexual preference, gender, and a host of other identity markers as armies in the battle for revolution. But just as there can be no friendship between darkness and light, there can be no friendship between Christ and atheistic secularism. Yet, sadly, many leaders in Bible-believing churches are bowing the knee to this woke worldview, ushering it into the sanctuary in the demonstrably false name of justice. Edwin Ramirez was one of them. When I was in the woke movement, I wasn't a pastor, but there was a church that I was attending that let me preach. And because I was woke, I felt like this was the opportunity I had to communicate the truth of God's word in regards of race and racism. And one of the things I said was, as people who are created in the image of God, we should care about matters of justice. Right? We should speak against evil. And that's true. We should. That is God's desire for us to stand on truth. I go on to say that one of the ways that we can stand for truth is by coming against oppression and coming against systemic racism. And how do we do that? By speaking out against police brutality and fighting against mass incarceration. And so what made this sermon the worst sermon ever is that it was, there were truth mixed with lies. Here I am preaching, but it isn't the gospel. I'm preaching whiteness. I'm preaching systemic oppression and systemic racism. And I'm getting further away from the, the only message that can free someone, that can liberate someone, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I was drifting away from that. I took truths from the text and I misapplied those truths. And I started to inject my worldview as a woke individual into the text. Even the unbelievers saw that Jonah wasn't doing the right thing. And I'm also trying to help my wife understand this so-called truth, this reality now that I believe that she, for whatever reason, just cannot see because of her quote-unquote white fragility. One of the ways the Lord used my wife was she was very gentle and patient with me throughout this process. 
She did not fight me. She asked questions. And the questions were not threatening. They were genuine questions. One of the questions that I would, would bring to him was, I, I recognize this is a direction that you're leading our family, and this is how God made me. And am I not just discrediting his work by having to reject what he sovereignly designed for my complexion to be like? It didn't have to do with any virtues that I was lacking in character. And so I really, that was one of the questions that I would bring to him is just, this isn't an issue of virtues and I really can't do anything about my skin color. As I look back, I see that it was a progression, that there were friends giving me pushback. My wife's testimony and her faithfulness to pray for me and the uneasiness in my own spirit, the resistance and the pushback from people that I knew loved me and cared for me. And all of a sudden, I saw that I was wrong that I was believing lies about my brothers and sisters, that I was bearing false witness, that I wasn't speaking the truth. I was believing wrongly about white people, about systemic racism, about all these worldviews that I was embracing. And the scales were off my eyes. I was free. I was alive again. I had purpose. It is freeing and it is empowering to live a life of holiness, but also a life of forgiveness and love and reconciliation. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Proverbial Life Podcast. I want to leave a legacy behind of godliness in my marriage, with my children. And so really what the proverbial life is communicating biblical truths that infiltrate every area of life. Now that he's come through the process of his eyes being open, it's been just beautiful to see. I could see him enjoying the Lord, his joy coming back, and just the man that I knew that had been lost for a long time come back. We have reconciliation in Christ already. Reconciliation isn't something that we're attaining. It isn't something that we're striving after. We possess reconciliation in the gospel. Christ already tore the veil, right, between the Jew and the Gentile. So now in him, we are one. So I am one with my white brother and sister. The church was established by Jesus Christ, and it was given a two-pronged mission, to preach the gospel to all the nations and to teach them to obey everything Jesus has commanded. But when we depart from the biblical principles in pursuit of fashionable notions of justice that may sound compelling, but compromise the truth we give up God's power and blessing. My friends, the cost of compromise is eternal. And make no mistake about it, the philosophy of woke compromises the gospel. That's why you and I must stand against it. There are now partisans on the secular left 
including George Soros and his Open Society Foundations that are overtly hostile to Christian faith. They have actively sought to enlist evangelical leaders and institutions to hijack the church. Our own John Amon has investigated and thoroughly documented this phenomenon in his new booklet, Hijacked, How George Soros and Friends Exploit Your Church. And we would like to send it to you as our thanks for your generous gift to help this ministry proclaim truth and defend freedom at this crucial time for America. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11154, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free, 877-962-7677. Or go online to djkm.org. This book documents how evangelicals have been strategically pulled to the left through campaigns by wealthy leftists like George Soros on open borders, socialist redistribution of wealth, the environment, LGBTQ issues, and many, many more. And if you are able to give a generous ministry gift of $50 or more, we will send you that book plus the full DVD version of this special program which includes material you did not see on this broadcast today. You will want to make sure your family, friends, and even your pastor see this program. And we will send you the unabridged version of this program along with the vital booklet, Hijacked, How George Soros and Friends Exploit Your Church by John Amon. As our thanks for your donation of $50 or more or just the book Hijacked, available exclusively from this ministry as our thanks for your generous donation. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11154, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 877-962-7677, or go online to djkm.org. The Apostle Paul writes in the Bible, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Unfortunately, many Christians, often well-meaning ones, have been seduced by worldly conceptions of justice and equality that have more affinity with Karl Marx than with the God of the Bible. We will not find justice in dividing everyone along the arbitrary Marxist lines of oppressor and oppressed and then exacting penalties from those who've committed no crimes in favor of those who've been victimized by no crimes. And we do nobody any good by whitewashing sin. The prophet Isaiah proclaims, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. 
That remains true no matter how fashionable the evil might be. Dear friends, the only safe place for a Christian is in the arms of Jesus Christ, standing upon the word of his truth. D. James Kennedy Ministries is standing for truth and defending your freedom. Thank you for joining us for this special program. I'm Frank Wright. May God bless you abundantly. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries. 